welcome to the Best Place to Work podcast, where we promise actionable tips from real business leaders on building amazing work cultures. Not tips from Google, but tips from the trenches of real-world businesses just like yours. On this episode, we talk core values with Roy Chomko. How do you draft them? Do they matter? How the heck do you start drafting them if you don't have any? He talked about how they didn't have any stated core values and drafted them after being in business for a few years, and then what that actually meant for his business. So listen in. Well, today I'm here with Roy Chomko, who's the founder and president of Adage Technologies in Chicago. Adage is an international e-commerce and web development firm that has been on the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies, and as well as uh, the Illinois best places to work six times in a row. In a row, is that right, Roy? That's right. Okay. Wow, that's quite an accomplishment. Um, so thanks for being with us today. Um, Thank you. Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, so you guys. Um, Sounds like you guys are quite the company. Um, you guys started in in like 2001, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Okay. And how many people do you guys have total? Uh, right now we have about 55 people. Okay. So tell me a little bit about how the company got started and why and, and how you guys got to where you're at today. So uh, the company started again in 2001. Uh, we started with the intent of building web applications. Uh, we wanted to build software in a web format. And uh, at the time, there was a lot of opportunity to do that. Uh, what ended up happening was in, uh, in, in websites and e-commerce, they became eventually much more complicated with uh, the advent of content management systems and e-commerce platforms that just became uh, much more like software products that had to be integrated around. So um, that has been the direction we've taken more recently, I'd say in the last five years, moving away from sort of custom app development into uh, the web space. I mean, everything we do involves some sort of custom development aspect to it and programming. Um, but we've moved, again, we've, we found ourselves more in the uh, e-commerce and web space. Okay. So did you just, it was like you and a couple people that started doing like consulting or how did you grow? Yeah. That? So it was, it was myself and uh, my business partner as well as uh, we had two employees that started out. And, uh, you know, it took us a while to get our feet on the ground. I mean, I think in the first five years, I was surprised. I looked back recently and we had five employees in our first five years for the most part. It was uh, it was interesting. I didn't realize it happened that way. <laughs> and then and then in the next five years, so if we take them in sort of five year increments, we had then grown from five to about 20 people. And then in the following five years, we grew from 20 to about 55 people where we are today. So it was, it was interesting. I didn't realize it took that long. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Now you had, this isn't your first venture. I mean, I know you have a diverse background uh, being with GE and a couple other stints. So did you come into Adage like having formed other companies? Tell me about, you know, where, where you started from in terms of building teams, building companies and what you brought to the table. Sure. So like any, um, I think any good entrepreneur, you always have a couple of things that uh, don't quite work out how you think they should start out and work out. So uh, <clears throat> my first venture was a uh, more of a Cisco bar. So I was in sales uh, and you pointed that out. I had been in a sales capacity uh, for some system integrators in my early career, as well as a software company. I uh, had the opportunity to start a company and become a Cisco VAR. So we sold a lot of Cisco gear, wide area networks, local area networks. Um, and, uh, and, and had some success for about a year and a half, but decided that it was time to move on. And so, um, uh, we did and, 
that this was right around 99, 2000, and I got involved with some guys that were doing some web development stuff. Again, very similar to the type of business we do today. Uh, and that lasted about a year and a half to two years uh, until the dot bomb hit. And I think uh, that's pretty much when all of us scattered into different things. <laughs> um, it was pretty common. I mean, there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, we, we were tied up in some, uh, I guess, uh, more, uh, you know, internet based uh, projects and uh, that, that just didn't quite work out. So um, with that started Adage Technologies and, um, and moved on to where we are today. Awesome. So, so, so coming to today, you know, you guys are now a multi-year award winner for best place to work. I know you guys also like, it was like Chicago one-on-one's best places to work award winner, you know, what would you say are the key things that you do or, you know, would you attribute to that, like building that culture? I know you guys you list several things on your website, but you know, what would you say are some of the top three things that, that attribute that? Um, you know, I, I tell people, uh, it, it's, uh, it took us a while to figure this out. I think one thing that we, we really hold like two, we have like five core values that we've just finally figured out what they are. And I it's, gets some <clears throat> questions I think that we can get to later, but <clears throat> pointing out the fact that um, it took us a while to really document what our core values are and things. But I think we've always known what they are intrinsically. We just didn't identify them. Uh, and, and a lot of it comes down to integrity and success and delivering success for our clients and, and being really invested in their success. So those are those are our core values. And I think identifying those primarily as uh, as drivers for what we and how we act um, helps to infect the rest of the company in terms of how our employees um, you know look at things. So there's decisions every day you have to make, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's the important thing is holding true to those core values. And I'll probably uh, talk about that. Uh, I mentioned it five more times, probably before we get done with this interview. <laughs> so we hear the core values, though. I mean, that's <clears throat> some. If you're being cynical and someone's saying, "Oh, that's great," you know, core values, core values. Like, um, would you say that that's something that you you said you you drafted them later, but you kind mm-hmm. of all, are always knew what they were? Tell me about that. Like, do you feel like you had alignment with your your early founders, you know, early partners, um, and you didn't really just you just didn't articulate it or you know, tell me about that process of drafting your core values, because I think that's something hard for most businesses. They don't either they don't have them and then they just kind of come up with things that sound good um, yeah. as opposed to what actually are driving change. Yeah, that's a good question, because, you know, when we first started out again, we didn't we didn't really know what they were. Uh, but I think as we got into situations and maybe this takes a couple years to work out. But as we got into situations, we we found that we agreed on how to how to deal with them, right? There's always gray lines in in terms of when you're doing business with people. It's not black and white. I wish it was that simple, but it's just not. There are certain circumstances, whether it be employee-related matters or customer-related matters, um, you have to make decisions and and you have to make sure that you're on the same page. So I think as we work through those, I think they they kind of define themselves eventually over time. And that allowed us later to say, okay, yeah, this is really what we're about. And I, and again, I'll get back to, for us, it was integrity. Like one thing we always want to do is just want to be as transparent and a hundred percent, uh, you know, have that hundred percent integrity, uh, with our customers and our employees. We just, we did, we felt like if, if, you know, there was just no way to get beyond the dishonesty point. If you, if you go down that route, do we just, we don't want to deal with you yeah. both as an employee or a customer. So, and then the other part of it is, is that if we're not delivering success to people, um, we're not helping them, right? So why are we in business? So I think that that that's the second component of it for us that we kind of event, like you said, it it took, it didn't like we didn't write it down day one. I think we figured it out over time, and um, and then we were able to 
to say, okay, this is this is what we're about. So integrity is a little bit is self-explanatory, but when you say success, I can see what you mean with success with your clients. Does that also something like success for your um, employees, like making them successful? <laughs> is that does that kind of parlay into like career planning or you know understanding like how they can move up in the organization? I mean, does that tie into that as well? Uh, yeah, it does. In fact, um, what I try to tell people is that uh, in today's day and age, I don't expect people to be, you know, company lifers. I mean, there are people that um, we have that are on staff that have been with us for a long time. But um, you should go into every employment opportunity just assuming that you want to make the most of it and uh, and be successful in everything you do so that you do have choices and options if, if you know, you aren't going to stay with us at least grow yourself because uh, and, and measure, figure out how to measure that and, and what your goals are so that um, you're advancing your career and you're not just an employee, right? And uh, and if you do that, we're gonna find opportunities for you and we should grow as a company as well so that we can grow together. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so tell me about, I mean, I know you guys mentioned, I think on the Newcomer website, you started like a culture committee um, with a rotating group of employees. Um, I'm going to play the cynic here and I think of like the office, you know, like a party yeah. planning committee. <laughs> yeah. how, how is that different? And how do you, how do you structure something like that to really make it meaningful? Cause I think some, some businesses might say, Oh, we need a culture committee, but they don't really know how to do that. Um, you know, how, how, what would you say is, is an aspect of making that su- successful? Uh, so we, there has been some challenges with it. I can tell you that I won't go into the details, but, um, <laughs> You know, it, it, and there is cynicism around it, um, aside from just being a, pl- a party planning committee type thing. Uh, so what we try to do is we do an annual survey. So that's part of some of the things we do to, to understand where we sit with our current employees. Uh, and we measure that. We have we have metrics that we measure to see whether we're going up and down in certain categories. And through the years, we've tried to keep it as consistent as possible in terms of the questions uh, so that the, measurement are, you know, the measurements are valid. Um, so what we'll do from those is we realize that some of the things that come through on that, and we'll we'll take the three lowest scores and we'll try to attack those. And of those three, sometimes the culture committee can't help in that, but we try to select one or two things where they can provide us advice and feedback and um, give us perhaps even some suggestions on on how to um, how to tackle those issues that have been brought up and and how we can improve better. So, uh, that's how we've been using it. And uh, and so when they meet, they talk about you know how they can uh, possibly improve on that. They also do, by the way, plan parties and, and have comments on that. So I, I won't deny that. But we do try to give them a higher level task in terms of figuring out how we can make Adage a better place to work. And if there's other ideas that come out of that, then we, we do solicit those and we listen to them as well and figure out how we can incorporate it into the um, uh, the company, um, you know, whatever we're doing, whether it be HR related or uh or other aspects of policy, that type of thing. Yeah, that's great. It sounds like it really it's 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 all about feedback and soliciting that from your team. Um, you said you do a, you do an annual survey, is that right? Do you do any other surveys or anything associated with that? Yeah, so we do the annual survey with the employees. Um, there's of course the external ones because of the different awards they are taking those. So we do look at the that feedback as well. Uh, the other thing we do is what we call a heartbeat score, and we do this with our customers as well. So um, it's a, just a real quick like couple questions like boom, boom, boom. Hey, what do you think of these things and how are we ranking? Uh, and we do that quarterly so that we're measuring quarterly how we're standing uh, with the employees as well. Uh, but without getting into too much detail because, you know, otherwise we'll never, we'll never get any work done. So 
Right, right. You get too wrapped up in that. <laughs> right. That makes sense. Constantly surveying people and no one takes too many surveys, right? Right. <laughs> and then you're not really actually acting on them. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, yeah. Tell me about how um, the culture of the business has changed over the years. Obviously, you know, going from five to 55 is a huge jump. But how, you know, explain to me how like your outlook and philosophies have changed from, you know, maybe going from just five people in a room to 55. And to, I guess speaking to someone that maybe is in your same spot, maybe they're at, you know, the 25 mark and they're mm -hmm. on their way to 50. What are the what are the things you learned along the way that you would you would say? Yeah, well, like we talked about earlier, I think part of it is like you're, you, you start out, you're just looking to survive. You come into situations, you try to make some decisions on uh, what you're going to do uh, in, in, in cases that, again, are never black and white. I wish they were. Um, and, uh, you know, so I don't like again, I don't think the culture changed dramatically. I think, again, I'll go back to I wish we would just sat down and defined it probably sooner. Only in the last four to five years did we sit down and say, oh, hey, these are what our core values are. And now we're going to try and um, we're going to live by them type thing and let everyone know what they are. So that would be my if I was in the 20 person phase again, I would say sit down, figure out what you believe your you know top core values. And they shouldn't be 10. It shouldn't be seven. It should be less than five. We have five. So I even struggled to try and get it down. I would like to have been lower, but. That's what we landed on, um, and it worked out. I mean, you define them, write them down, then live them, um, share them, uh, and make sure that you're making decisions based on those. Uh, and the last part is hiring and firing based on them as well. Yeah, that's a good segue into the hiring section. You know, like you, um, I think you mentioned somewhere I read about, you know, hiring is basically the biggest aspect of your business. It's the biggest aspect of most people's business, you know, the people that they bring on. Do you guys do anything special in, in your hiring process in terms of, people on the, involved in the interview, any testing, or what do you do there? Yeah, so we're a technology company, so uh, <clears throat> our process starts out with um, uh, basically a, a, an HR interview. So you know, the HR uh, or recruiter uh, are doing the initial interview, really making sure that um, someone shows up on time, um, they're, you know, they present themselves well, they can communicate at an appropriate level for the position that they're gonna be in. Uh, and, and it's really just to check down on some some basic things and making sure that we're asking some consistent questions, understanding that they're a good fit for the role um, and more of a screen for then um, a manager of that department. So then uh, whatever role is being hired, the manager will then take the next interview. Uh, sometimes, depending on what it is, we may uh, have them do a code review. So let's say it's a developer or anything technical. Um, they'll have to pass a relatively straightforward online test, which surprisingly some people can't finish based on what they're applying for, which is fine. I mean, it just it's I think it's healthy for everybody because we used to we used to go through the whole process, bring them in and then give them a test. And that just that takes not only, uh, you know, we're trying to be considerate of our time, but as well as the, the candidates time. Right. If it's not going to be a fit, I think everybody's happy to just do more of a, uh, you know, an on, online test. And then that way um, uh, time saved. Right. Right. Um, so we move forward from the um, <clears throat> from the the online test. Uh, we'll bring that. We'll have a, a technical interview, and then we'll uh, move to an in-person interview where the actual team that's going to be working with that person is part of the interview. Maybe not all the team members, but many of them. And uh, they we give them a pretty strong voice in terms of whether that person gets hired or not. Uh, uh, and all the time, all the while, we actually go back through at that. Uh, that last interview stage and rank the person based on their ability to match our core values. 
So do we feel like that, you know, that they, they are going to be, you know, have that hundred percent integrity. That's kind of hard to figure out initially, but if there's been something along the way of the, um, of the interview process that led us to believe that they're not being honest with us, and that might be something to, uh, remove them from the, the candidacy. So, right. No, it sounds, it sounds good. Um, we're gonna take a short break. We'll be right back. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Waypoint. If you want to get your team aligned and you want to go from herding cats to a well-oiled machine, and if you're sick of the annual review process, then check out Waypoint. It's an elegant tool built for leaders just like you to help you invest in your people and unlock their true potential. Head over to waypointhq.com to learn more. So so getting back to... Um you know, culture and and one of the things that that I did I was actually pulled up the glass door on on Adage and and read some of the reviews and you're like 100% approve of the CEO so you guys are just rocking the glass door reviews but um, one of the th- one of the comments was a pro was that upper management is engaged in day to day they said the upper management is very engaged in day to day and giving feedback how do you do that I mean most that is that is that do you make a, a solid commitment to do that is it is it innate in your business that you're more engaged in the day-to-day because I mean that's one of the things that people uh, say they don't like is that the management is not engaged in day-to-day and they're just like removed from you know most of the employees so if you could speak to that yeah I'm, I'm not sure how to interpret that person's comment but um <laughs> Uh, you know, one thing I try to do, and I know that um, the other leadership tem- team members do, is we we don't live in our ivory castle. I and mean, we do have offices, of course, but uh, we don't, um, you know, we try to get and occasionally sit down and have lunch. Uh, something else I'll do is uh, I, when, after someone gets hired after 45 days, I take them out to coffee and I sit down and I talk with them and say, hey, are you doing the job we hired you for? Um, is this what you expected? Um, and sometimes they have uh, some feedback around that or, or, you know, everything's great. And But we just chat about them, too. I, I like to learn about who they are and where they're from. And uh, the other thing we do, even the day when they get hired, is we bring them out to lunch and we sit down and we, you know, we focus more about them and just seeing how, you know, what type of person they are and, and what they're interested in. And um, and I know that, uh, again, my other uh, leadership team members do. So, from a day to day, I uncover things in the process of that, right? So I'm like, hey, what are you working on? When I run people in the, into the kit in the kitchen, um, you know, what project are you working on? How are you doing? Um, you know, what's interesting about the project? That type of stuff. So maybe that's what they mean. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I, we try. I don't. I definitely do not want to be a micromanager. Try not to do that. And and I know that uh, the other leadership team members don't either. The point is, is to uh, hopefully make them as autonomous as possible, but with as much oversight. There's always that balancing act, right? Right. Has that been hard to adjust to as you guys have grown? I mean, has that been something that you got removed from the day to day and you didn't really know what was going on? You had to reengage, or you got the management team maybe struggled with micromanagement early on. I mean, would you give anyone tips that maybe is in that growing stage to how they can appropriately do that? Yeah, I think there's um, in in terms of organizations, uh, one thing that I've learned is that you do hit this uh, this milestone of 50 to 75 people, and I've had this validated by a number of different sort of uh, more senior business people than myself. And it's a it's a place where a lot of firms struggle to get past because you do need to introduce a new layer of management in there. And and I hesitate to call it management because it's sometimes a not a good word for people. Um, but you do need to have uh, people. Y- you start out and you become that voice, and you're very connected to the business. And then you do have to abstract away a bit just so you can get other things done. 
and um, it's difficult. So you have to you have to learn that the communication flow has to go from leadership to management down to staff, and and um, and it needs to be planned out and thought out. And that was probably one of the biggest things that I've had to learn is uh, you can't. I just can't think something and everyone should understand it, right? Um, and it and it should be vetted uh, by uh, the managers and then have um, the employees just be able to understand it better based on some of the feedback that I get from um, the managers because it just maybe it's not clear maybe it wasn't uh, maybe it's too harsh maybe it's just not well thought out that type of thing so um, figuring out that communication flow living by it making sure that we're doing our checkdowns uh, and again communicating often that's the other thing this part of me, you can't communicate it enough. It's just by me standing up on Monday. We have Monday morning status meeting. Just by me or somebody else standing up on a Monday morning saying, "Hey, this is what we're going to do," once does not mean that it's sunk in. In fact, it probably hasn't reached. Uh, it's probably reached less than ten percent of the audience at the time because they're. It's Monday morning and they're not really uh, fully into work yet. So, yeah, no, that makes sense. I think that's a good point that's an easy trap to fall into and you don't even know the ramifications of it. If you're not, you know, if you're under communicating, then it, it, it just snowballs into something negative. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so another one of the comments was that it's a very challenging environment, which is actually listed as a con and it said it's hard, but it brings out the best and it actually could be seen as a pro um, is mm-hmm. what this person said. And so I was wondering if you could expand upon that of how you foster a, a challenging environment, which it sounds like you're pushing people a little bit outside of their comfort zone and, and that people, certain people appreciate that. Um, but have you run into struggles with that or how do you guys manage that? So uh, we're in technology one, right? Uh, as well as the fact that we are um, consulting. So at the end of the day, we're consultants, right? We, we build cool websites and, and, uh, uh, for companies around, or I should say organizations around the country, in fact, and internationally in some cases too. And uh, every situation's a little different. We try to keep things the same in terms of the tool sets and the frameworks that we're using and stuff like that and the technology stack. But uh, there's always something coming out and we're, we have to stay on top of it. So I think that that's part of the challenging part of it. The other thing is um, our our customers, uh, you know, they they rely on us to provide them technology direction and provide them with high quality solutions. And uh, sometimes the pace at which we need to move and they're moving aren't in in sync. And so crunch time comes on us to make sure that we're meeting delivery timelines. So that can be challenging. So you're jumping from one environment to a different environment and different set of business uh, rules and requirements between organizations. So I think that that's what the person meant by challenging. Uh, it, you know, consulting, you have to be adaptable. And that's actually one of our uh, core values, so I'll throw that out there. <laughs> it's adapt and evolve. So yeah. you, need to, you need to adapt to what's happening. Uh, we cannot be stagnant. We constantly have to be learning here. If, if you want to uh, if you want to just work on the same thing every day for day in, day out and not uh, learn new things, then it's not the right place for you because we have to be able to do that in order to better serve our customers every day. Yeah, that's great. Um, so kind of in closing, I, I want to ask you two questions. One is what do you um, think of there's some, th- what are things that you've tried that haven't worked that do you think maybe are pitfalls of companies that are trying to build, you know, a positive company culture or um, engage people? Um, are there any things that maybe you've tried that haven't worked or things that maybe you screwed up and then you fixed later? <laughs> oh, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think, 
soliciting feedback too much can be a dangerous place to go. Um, I think you have to you have to do it in in meaningful and uh, I should say uh, how to say uh, um, a timed uh, like we talked about earlier. You know, going going too frequent on this can end up getting you in a place where you're just constantly in a cycle of of <laughs> not making everybody happy, and that can be that can be pretty uh, tough uh, mentally. So I think you have to sort of set the schedule and say, hey, once a year we're gonna do this, this is gonna be the schedule. We're gonna do our survey, we're gonna take the results, we're gonna we're gonna see what action items we can take on it, we're gonna act on those action items, we're gonna report back to and how we're doing throughout the year. And then come the next cycle, we can work on that again. And I that would probably be one of the things that I think we've we've struggled with in the past is how to make that uh, consistent and and not get too bogged down in too many details and too much frequency and in, in soliciting feedback. Yeah, that's great. Um, the second question would be... Oh, and by the way, suggestion box don't work. Don't work, yeah. <laughs> so just putting the blanket suggestion box out there does not work, huh? No, we tried that. It didn't work. Yeah. I thought it was a good idea, but it didn't, it didn't seem to pay off. So so do you guys do anonymous feedback or not? Um, yeah, I think, well, today you get it through things like Glassdoor, which is interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, so you get that. Uh, we, we And then, yeah, the, the, cost, the employee surveys are anonymous. I don't know... When they put comments in there, I couldn't tell you who wrote it. I can take guesses, but mm-hmm. um, that's another thing I guess is a good uh, point to make is uh, don't don't kill yourself trying to figure out who's making what comments and why because um, you've asked them to give you feedback. So just take it for what it is. Don't take it personally because it's hard not to sometimes. Yeah. Because you're trying every day and you think you're doing all the right things and then someone gives you a completely opposite opinion or, or aspect to it. So um that's another piece I'd, I'd probably point out is to stay away from getting to don't try and figure out who gave you what feedback. Just just take it, it, it for what it is and act on it in, in the best you can. Yeah. Um, what would you say is like the quickest win that someone could like tactic or something that someone could change um, to positively impact their company culture? So there's two things I think that we've recently uh, done, and that's. Uh, that's the core values. Again, I'll go back to that. I, I really feel like defining and, and putting those down can really help to solidify who you are and what you are as an organization. The next step is to, to search for your why. What is your why? Um, I don't know if you're a Simon Sinek fan at mm-hmm. all, but I am. And uh, you know, after reading Start With Why, I, I, I kept noodling that. It took me a year or two to kind of really come down to it. And it, it, does, it does mean something to people. It's like having some sort of purpose. It's not everything, but it definitely it helps to sort of solidify, again, the direction and path you want to take the organization and, and see who wants to follow. Because if, if someone's not about that stuff, then at least they can self-select out and you don't have to, you don't have to figure that out six months later or three months later. So is that would does that feed your core values, or do you guys have a separate vision uh, why statement that you you got out of that? I think the core values fed the why. I would start with the core values and go to the why. And so the core values, um, you know, our why is 100% integrity and uh, delivering success. So that that's our why, uh, and the core it, it emanated out of the core values. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to share? Uh, no, thanks for having me though. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and your audience and, um, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an honor if you will. So, um, yeah, thank you very much. And, uh, I hopefully I've, I've helped anybody out there with some of the things they're struggling with, uh, cause Lord knows I've, I think I've seen a few things myself. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. 
Thanks so much for listening. If you found the show valuable, please give us some love on iTunes. But if there's any reason that you would rate us less than five stars, please let me know. Shoot me a note at mike at bestplacetoworkpodcast.com. Thanks.